God's not asking you to be irrational, but he's asking you to see a perspective that takes you way beyond the natural sphere of this world and of life. And you give, and you give, and you give. And so the proverb says that a man gives freely, and so you'd think he would be depleted, that his resources would dissipate, they'd be gone, he'd have nothing left. And, and uh, instead of that, he gains more. And then you have a person who withholds unduly. So we all need to withhold money to look after ourselves, but to do it in an undue fashion so that instead of giving anything, instead of honoring the Lord with tithes and offerings or giving to the poor or giving even to your family, uh, it's like you hoard. The person hoards their money, maybe out of fear. Fear is a killer. And instead of it all working out, that person comes to poverty. So the person who gives and gives and gives has more and more and more, and the person who doesn't give ends up having less and less and less. And the Christian understands that. Now, we don't give, so uh, that was actually $1,000 in that chest. Where did it go? That 1000 bucks is mine. Where is it? Oh, uh, it's back there with the drummer. Uh, everybody keep your eye on Chris <laughs> and Marlene. Actually, she held the $1,000 that went in that thing in, in, uh, in trust. I trusted her. Actually, it proved out to be okay. She gave it back to me for this illustration. I went into the bank on Friday, and I said to the teller, I need... bills for my sermon on Sunday morning. And she said something about the effect, what are you going to do with that? And I told her a little bit about it. She said, you know what? If you were to actually give that away, there'd be a lot more people starting to attend church. And Well, okay. That was a challenge. I'm not sure if I can can rise to that. Uh, Anyway, um, wow. Isn't it true? You cannot outgive God. Say it with me, will you? You cannot outgive God. Here's an amazing verse. It's in Job chapter 36, verse 27. He draws up the drops of water, which distills as rain to the streams. So God in his great wisdom, and how he He looks after us and how nature works, how the creation around us works. It's like there's water all over the the earth and, and the sun is shining and we don't see it. But God is drawing up the water into the sky. The vapor is rising. Sometimes we get to see it, and perhaps in the form of fog that starts to lift. But for the most part, on a warm, sunny summer day, and I think and I hope and pray, and I'm sure it will happen, there'll be lots of those in the days to come. On those days, we won't see the water lifting, the vapor coming up. But eventually, it forms a cloud. And that water that we don't see go up comes down in the form of what we can see and experience. 
and it causes the streams to swell and to flow and to produce life and to, uh, it's just, we need it to survive. It's like that with giving. You sometimes are offering yourself to God in ways that might seem imperceptible to others or even to yourself. You come to a prayer meeting and you pray. Or you get down in your, in your room at night and you pray. Or as you're driving, you're worshiping and you're praying. And you're doing these things and it seems insignificant and inconsequential to you and perhaps to those around you. But what's happening is there are vapors. Spiritual vapors ascending into the heavens. And they come down in the form of blessings. And we receive them in abundance. The Bible says in the New Testament, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who blesses us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. If you're offering up praise to the Lord through the way you live, the way you serve, the way you give, it's collecting in a cloud of blessing. And it starts to pour out, maybe at the time you least expect. But for sure, it's a, it pours out in a time that meets your needs. Somebody said, there's three kinds of givers. First, there is the flint. To get anything out of a flint, you must hammer it. And then you get only chips and sparks. Now, at the church here, when we take up those kind of offerings, we defer to Marlene. She's the one who can chip away. Uh, that was supposed to be funny. You can laugh at that. Actually, the Lord, uh, Jim was talking to me, that Jim Connors was talking to me about his wife and how wonderfully blessed he is to have her. And how he got up this morning and had his guitar and, and was serenading away about the blessings of Fran, his wife. Did she hear you do this, Jim? She did. Wow. That's why she's got that big smile on her face this morning. And as he was saying that, and I was thinking of my own wife and the blessing that she is to me. And, wow, where do you begin to talk and to tell uh, the story of the wonderful, the wonderful woman that God gave to me to be my wife and the mother of my children? Happy Mom's Day. It's not an easy day for her particularly because of memories that we have. So the flint, you have to hammer it. And then you only get chips and sparks. And then there's the sponge. To get water out of a sponge, you must squeeze it. And the more you use pressure, the more you will get. Now, wives, that's not the way to treat your husbands. You're trying to get something out of him, and so you put the pressure on you, squeeze. You could even do that at a church offering. I hope no one ever thinks that we do that around here you, or that you experience that because um, that's not what we're trying to do when we ask for offerings. But there is this sponge thing that leave it to itself and it doesn't give anything, but when you start to squeeze, out comes the water. But then there is the honeycomb and the honeycomb just overflows with sweetness. I, I, you know what? This very much is a honeycomb church. There's so many of you that just pour out 
freely from your hearts, not just in the giving of offerings like this widow did, this mother of, in Israel that Jesus pointed out so dramatically, but um, just in so many ways. You give and you give and you give. And the question is asked at the bottom of this slide, what kind of a giver are you? Hmm. If you really want to know, and you're married, ask your spouse. She'll tell you, or he'll tell you. Years ago, I don't know, it was in the 90s, uh, a man by the name of Richard Foster wrote a book, and it was called Money, Sex, and Power. It was three areas of life that he identified that become huge temptations to humankind. It was an excellent book. I remember reading it and, and was just blessed by the insights that he offered. When it came to money, he said this, giving with glad and generous hearts has a way of routing out the tough old miser within us. The tough old miser within us. Hmm. Even the poor need to know that they can give. Just the very act of letting go of money or some other treasure does something within us. It destroys the demon of greed. Greed is the opposite of giving. And on Mother's Day, we think of what they give. We think, first of all, of Jesus and what he gave, gave and gives. And we think of what the calling of God upon us as a church to follow in the pathway that was laid before us to be givers, honeycomb givers. Somebody did a calculation that um, if you took the two little mites, now a mite is actually not even worth a penny. Uh, so it's actually a fraction of a penny in today's economy. But if you took those two little mites that the widow put in the treasury and you uh, multiplied it or you gave it interest at 4%, compound interest from the time that she gave it to the present day, that would be worth that much money on the top. Now, I, I was sitting down there thinking, how, how do I say what that is? Well, the first one's easy, four, 408,000, I get that, 4,800,000, yep, I get that, 4,800,000,000, yeah, I get that, uh, 4,800,000,000 is a trillion, what do I do with those last six numbers? And the best I can come up with is it's a million trillion. Wow. <laughs> Those two mites, if they had been put in the first national, national bank of Jerusalem and collected 4% compound interest from then till now, that's what this person calculated it would be worth. And she thought it was, well, it was important to her. But these dudes over here, these, these rich guys, they would have been sneering and laughing as they boasted about the amounts of money they gave. And Jesus pointed to them and said, these guys who are giving all of this out of the abundance are actually abusers of this person, this woman, because if they understood the principles of God, she would not have been living in poverty. 
They would have been, they would have blessed her. And so Jesus said, beware of them. Watch out for them. That kind who hoards or gives just so they could be seen to be giving are, and yet around them there are needs in abundance that they do nothing about. Jesus said, watch out for them. Their whole spirit is demonic. Huh, wow. So, 800, well, whatever that number is. And Jesus said, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Now, if that widow's two little mites would be worth that astronomical amount of money up there, how much more does your giving today do just what Jesus said, and that is laying up treasures in heaven, where it's more than compound interest over a period of years, it's eternal reward in abundance. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can somebody say, hallelujah? Think about it. We have the opportunity to live our lives as either hoarders or givers or people who, who ignore the needs around them. We have this one chance, this space of time and, in which we live in, and, and it's a journey that we walk this journey. And it's not very long, actually, on this planet but in that lifespan that God has given every one of us, the, t the opportunity to give and to give and to give and to give is given to us. And every time we do, we're laying up treasures in heaven. Where nothing can destroy them. Jesus said, in Mark chapter 4, verse 18 to 19, as he's talking about the parable of the sores, of the sower, rather, and the seeds. And he said, still others, uh, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word of God. But the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things come in and choke out the word, making it unfruitful. So the deceitfulness of wealth. Well, these four guys were certainly deceived. They thought that their huge amounts of money that they were giving in the temple treasury would not just be noticed by all the people who saw them do it, but would be noticed by God. Well, he noticed all right. But he noticed the motives, the very impure, selfish, self-centered motives that were in their hearts. And how this was just a means of getting acclaim and fame and whatever else. Money is a gift. It really is. The point of your life, though, is not to get money. That's not what life is about. Or to even get wealth. That's not why we're here. Money is a player as a part of your primary purpose in life. So we need money. Marlene and I need money. We gave our tithes and offerings this morning. We needed money to do that. So it becomes a part 
It's a player in the purpose of our lives. It's not what we live for. If it becomes your primary thing, you lose. And Jesus said, if you love your life, you'll lose it. But if you'll lose your life for my sake, you'll keep it. So many people think that happiness is tied to money, and it's not. If you mess up financially, you'll still be unhappy. If you get all kinds of money, that doesn't make anything for you in terms of happy, lasting happiness. What do we do with money? Well, first of all, you learn who you are. Who are you? And not only who you are, but whose you are. Who do you belong to? The world and its sphere and the spirit that's behind it? Or do you belong to God? If you belong to the world and its systems and to the enemy, to Satan, even though you might do a lot of good things, there's an underlying problem. And that problem is sin. It's the emptiness within. That no matter how much you give or how much you do or how much you strive or, or all the good things you do, you can't erase that deep, nagging reality that there's something wrong. And I need to fix that. And it's not like you can fix it, but you can go to the one who can fix it and who already has fixed it when he died on the cross for you and made possible a way of life that far exceeds and transcends. In fact, it doesn't even come into any sort of comparison to life without God, to life without Christ. Are you his this morning? Do you belong to him? Have you given your heart to Christ? Have you decided to do, as the worship team sang earlier, I have decided to follow Jesus? I won't turn back. Maybe you once decided to do that, but you've since turned back. And deep down inside, there's regret. And you think, can I do it? Can I make that step this morning to get back on track, to become a follower of Jesus? Well, yes, you can. I'm going to close with this scripture again. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything. All she had to live on. Somebody said, money is the litmus test. That's how you are following Jesus. And that's true. But more than that this morning, what did this woman feel? Kind of a... What kind of a beat-up heart did she have? 
Her husband had died. Perhaps he'd been murdered. Perhaps he had been executed because of the Romans who would have executed it for almost any reason. Maybe, maybe she had a long history of being ridiculed and put down. Maybe there wasn't a whole lot of, of resources to draw upon. Did she know about Jesus? He was standing there in the courts of the temple where they, where they would actually put, it was the outer court of the temple where they gave their money. Uh, and it was like there were several places where you could give. And uh, what did she feel? Did she feel shame seeing all these other guys giving so much but her so little? Did she think maybe, well, they gave wealth. They, they, these are rich guys. What, what, what does my two little mites mean in, in comparison to all of this? Who knows what she felt? But one thing for certain, that day, when she put in her two little mites into that treasury box, and then heard Jesus come and say what he said. It wouldn't take too long before the day would come when Jesus did exactly the same thing. When he gave his everything. for us. And you know what? You are the treasury box into which he poured and pours all that he has, all he's given. And today, you don't need to be ashamed, put down, feel you have nothing. If you have Jesus, you have everything. Lord, we thank you for your word today. We thank you that the story of this widow is immortalized in the Bible. And someday, when we get to heaven, and lots of songs have been written, I want to see Peter and James and John and Paul and Silas and all the famous ones. I don't know if there's been any songs written about I want to meet this widow. The disciples used to argue about who's going to sit on the left or right hand side of the throne of God. Maybe it won't be one of these great apostles. Maybe it'll be this woman. And really at that time it wouldn't matter. Because all of us who are in heaven, the redeemed of the Lord, realize that when it comes to what we give and what we've given, what Jesus is gay, gives for us and is gay, uh, has given and continues to give is beyond comparison. And so, Lord, we just are here this morning humbled by your great grace to us. And we're humbled that it would be important to you that we adopt the same spirit that you have when it comes to giving. That spirit that he saw in this widow 
and that we come to understand that every time we give with whatever it is, our money, our time, our blessing, just whatever it is, we are following in the footsteps of Jesus. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I wonder if there's someone here this morning you'd say, Bruce, um, I'm not a Christian. I haven't been following Jesus as a Christian. I, I want to become a follower of Christ. Will you raise your hand and just hold it up there for a moment? How many here would say, Bruce, I, I followed Jesus, but boy, have I ever gone astray. I've really, really become wayward when it comes to my commitment to Christ. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Yes. Someone else? Thank you, Lord. I just pray, Lord, for that person that raised their hand, that today your presence would envelop their spirit, their life, that you would help them to get on track and to experience the joys that you have for them. I just bless them in Jesus' name. I'm going to ask you to stand. and Mothers, would you come, please, and stand along the front? Mothers, grandmothers? Yes, worship team?